The most common mistake in the marathon is starting out too fast and then hitting the wall later on. We've been tapering and resting and so now our legs are ready to go. Marathon pace feels ridiculously easy during those first few miles, not just because our legs are fresh, but because we have that nervous energy, the fight or flight coursing through our veins. Like anxiety, the early mile jitters can't be fought or we'll use up our energy fighting it. But by focusing on other things, our pace will naturally slow down into a smoother ride. I'll often cue up my race music with calmer songs for the first hour of the marathon just to keep as chill as possible. Or I'll not listen to any music at all and just breathe in and out with the rhythm of my footfalls. It also helps to have something to look forward to when I start to hurt later on in the race. I'll force myself to wait until the halfway mark to turn my music on, and then that acts as a distraction for discomfort and gives me a boost of energy when I do need it. I've always been an anxious person, right from birth. I was a colicky infant, a stressed out elementary student, and a self-medicated teenager. In grade five, my mom brought me to the doctor to figure out why I would get stomach aches all the time. He spoke nothing of anxiety and merely put me on a dairy-free diet to rule out a milk allergy. Soy milk and rice cakes became a dietary staple, and the shitty food selection combined with some gut-crippling anxiety caused me to drop a few pounds of much-needed athleticism. I didn't get wafy or anything, but I knew something was wrong. It peaked after I spent a week throwing up in an outhouse at camp. It triggered in me this irrational fear of puke. I spent a year eating toast and honey, convinced that it was humanly impossible to throw that up. There's just something about getting the stomach flu that turns my world upside down. When we throw up, it's a complete loss of control. As humans, we're control freaks, some of us more than others. But at the end of the day, we need to know that we have some sort of grip on our decisions and their outcomes. But when we get food poisoning or a stomach virus, there is no amount of self-control and cheek biting that will stifle the purge. Whether we carry it as a phobia or a mere discomfort, nobody wants to lose control and have our insides come out. It's embarrassing. It hurts. It smells and it's out of our control. But when we finally let go, isn't it such a huge relief? The fear of letting it out can make us feel sicker than we need to feel, but once we let go of that vice grip, we can purge ourselves of our sickness and start over with renewed health. This is why I don't fear it anymore, because my life will play out the way it's supposed to play out, whether or not I feel in control. The sooner we let go, the healthier we will be. My anxiety seemed to disappear for a while and then pop back up like hammer pants and acid wash. Equally unpredictable and frustrating. Once I entered high school, I discovered that taking Gravol, an anti-nausea drug, made me drowsy, which really helped take the edge off of my anxiety. So I took Gravol every day and topped it off with alcohol at night when it was available. Everybody gets anxious. Anxiety is a normal and healthy response to danger and stress. But you'll know when it's not normal. You won't be able to eat or sleep. And then people will tell you to relax, to have a bath, to use some essential oils. It's 3.23 a.m., the entire house is asleep, and so is everybody else in the whole wide world. We haven't eaten a proper meal in four days, but we can't feel our hunger past the cortisol pulsing through our veins. Our feet and hands are clammy, and there's a trace of cold sweat along our hairline and between our boobs, if we have boobs. But sure, let's put on Enya and light some incense and ask Jesus to take it away. No, been there, memorized entire scriptures and recited them through tears night after night, year after year, and Jesus didn't take my anxiety away. In Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking, 
She writes about how her friend Anthony dealt with his diagnosis of cancer. Everybody keeps talking about fighting the cancer, he said. Everyone keeps telling me to fight for my life, to fight the disease and how their uncle won the battle against cancer and their cousin won the fight against cancer and blah, 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 blah. I'm not fighting, he said. It's already inside me and I'm not going to fight. I'm going to be a good host. Let it pass through me. Resist nothing. Let it all pass through. Whenever I start panicking about anything, or nothing at all, because anxiety is super fun that way, I make the decision to not fight. I let go. Because the more I try to fight, the more intense the anxiety gets. I open up that space in my brain that so desperately wants to shut down, and I let anxiety stay a while, and then pass through. A few tools I use for managing general life anxiety are these. Number one, I live with love. And when I don't, I make it right as soon as possible and I learn from it. Our days are full of distractions, so once night comes and all we have left is ourselves, our wrongdoings will burn into the back of our closed eyelids like flashing alarms, keeping us fitfully awake. We need to make them right, forgive others, forgive ourselves, and accept the grace that comes with a peaceful night's sleep. Number two, I hold on to truth. Whenever anxiety tells me irrational things, I speak truth back louder and fiercer. And if anxiety won't listen to me, then I find someone else to speak truth into my life and I hold on to them while they hold on to truth. Number three, if I get too exhausted and worn down to hold on to truth, then I see my therapist and or my doctor for professional help and medication. Because sometimes, despite doing the best I can with what I'm given, life gets a bit too turbulent and I can't move for the amount of seawater I've gulped down. Once I'm able to stay afloat and store up some energy, I'm able to go out on my own again. Number four, I face my phobias and I move through them. Anxiety and phobias thrive on avoidance. Each time we avoid something because we're scared of it, the fear grows just that much bigger and before too long, we're stuck like deer in headlights. Write down a list of all the things that scare you and then start doing them. It's petrifying, but it works. Anxiety isn't going to go away. Rather, it's something that we can manage. There will be good days and bad days, but overall, we'll get there. I can't emphasize this enough though. Don't do it alone. If you've hurt somebody, make it right. If you need somebody, let them know. Don't isolate yourself out of fear, for anxiety will grow bigger in the soil of avoidance. We are built for connection, for communion. Anxiety wants us to stay home alone, to eat our belly button lint and cry over Disney movies. Don't make your scary list, grab a friend's hand and start crossing that shit off. Running has been one of my main tools on my tool belt that I use to help me manage my anxiety disorder. It does this in two ways. The first way is that anxiety disorders produce an excess of holy shit transmitters and running picks them off, diffuses them, sweats them out or otherwise obliterates them so that our bodies can return to a more neutral chill vibe. I think everyone's able to directly relate or empathize with that first point because each person has on some level lost their shit and afterward hands on knees panting from the catharsis felt better about getting it out despite the broken glass and carnage pooling at our feet. 
But another way that running helps is that it connects me with others and human connection trumps anxiety. Often, all those things that keep us alone are the meat and potatoes of which anxiety feasts upon for survival. As long as we are alone, as long as we avoid whatever it is that we're anxious about, we get smaller and anxiety gets bigger. Even though I mostly like to run alone, being a runner still gives me a sense of belonging. I belong to a community of runners. I am a runner. It feels good to have a label and to share the umbrella with others who get me. Of course, we all need some alone time. Don't get me wrong, some more than others. But I'm talking about true isolation, where despite our ability to mingle, schmooze, or fit in with groups of people, we never really let ourselves become truly seen. When we get out there and run, all the shit we've held in for so long starts to loosen a bit. Things jiggle. They shift. They chafe. They leak. And yet, we finish. And as runners, we loosen, jiggle, shift, chafe, and leak, and finish repeatedly. Sometimes two or three times a week, and sometimes twice a day. But regardless, we do it all, and that's what makes us runners. Whether we physically run together in a group, or simply bridge the gap through social media, Relating to each other through our experiences as runners gives us that pack mentality and nobody gets left behind.